everybody, and uh, welcome to River Glen. Great to have you with us. Uh, welcome everybody online, wherever you're located, over in, in Pewaukee and here in Waukesha. Thank you so much for joining us for church. Well, i got to celebrate with you uh, what God did last weekend. We just had a great uh, Easter. We had just over 3,200 people in person across both of our uh, locations. Yeah, that's... Uh, that's a thousand people more than last year. Isn't it great to see more people gathering together? And when you add in online, it, it's just over uh, 4,000 people total uh, at, attendance. But uh, check, this, check this number out. We uh, just want to celebrate 77 people who gave their life to Jesus uh, by getting baptized. And uh, let's give God a big hand. Yeah, maybe you came for the first time uh, last week and you're back. Welcome back. Uh, maybe you're new, maybe you've been attending for um, any uh, length of time, and uh, you just want to find out more about River Glen, our vision, our, our beliefs, get some questions answered. Uh, your next step right there is the uh, welcome brunch coming up on, on May 15th at both campuses. You get a free t-shirt. I thought I'd wear it for you so you can get a chance to see what it looks like, and you get a really good uh, free brunch uh, as well, and I uh, would love to have you sign up. Uh, for that. Today we begin a new series called uh, Big Questions. We compile the list of uh, questions that people like you and me have about God and the, the Bible. Sometimes we get stuck on these questions, questions like why do bad things happen to good people? Uh, is the Bible true? You know, why is the church full of hypocrites? And, and so on. Questions that maybe you have, questions that maybe you get asked and, and you want to know, you want some help on how to uh, answer those. So today, here's the question we're going to address. Why do people get stuck in their faith? I wonder, when was the last time you felt stuck? You know, maybe you felt stuck in your marriage, your career, maybe in some uh, relationship. And we don't like being stuck. I mean, we like to move forward and make progress. Maybe you got stuck in your car. You know, that happens in Wisconsin, getting stuck in the snow or stuck in the mud like this guy. Uh, Check this out. Yeah, sometimes, you know, the more we try, the more we spin our wheels, the more uh, we try. We try hard, but we don't really go anywhere. I wonder if you have ever felt stuck in your of faith. You know, maybe you were humming along in your faith, you felt close to God. You know, you'd read the Bible and it's like the words would just jump off the, the page to you. You attended church consistently, you volunteered, you served, you shared your faith, you invited people to church, but then something happened. And it's like the flame on the candle gradually started to go out and Bible reading became a chore. You stopped attending church. Uh, you stopped uh, praying and serving and, and sharing uh, your faith. You ever feel stuck in your faith? You know, it happens to us from time to time. That's why it's important for us to talk about. Or maybe you're new to faith. Maybe you got baptized last weekend. And you want to avoid getting stuck in your faith. I want to share a story with you that I think is going to introduce and illustrate the big idea uh, for the message today. Check out this picture here. This is a wide receiver uh, by the name of Cooper Cup, who plays for the Los Angeles Rams. There he is. He's making the game-winning catch in the Super Bowl. He had a great season in the NFL. He won the MVP in the Super Bowl, and he was the most valuable offensive player of the year. But eight years ago, 
Cooper Cup was stuck in his football career almost ended. He graduated high school and, and, and no Division I school offered him a scholarship. And to get in the NFL, you not only need to play Division I, you need to be the best of the best in Division I. But he didn't even get invited uh, to play on a team at a Division I school. But after he graduated high school, about three weeks later, a little college, Eastern Washington University, offered him a scholarship and that's where he went uh, to college. And over the next four years, he worked and try, trained and trained and trained. And he became one of the best college receivers among the group of receivers, pretty much labeled not good enough. But the NFL included him in their publication for the uh, draft. Here's what they said about him in his bio. He's a good backup who could maybe become a starter. So he gets drafted by the Los Angeles Rams. He's not a starter, but he works and trains and trains and trains. And last year, the Rams brought in a new quarterback, Matthew Stafford. And uh, Cooper Cup reaches out to Matthew Stafford and says, I'm willing to put an extra time to be the best receiver that you have ever had. And so they start having breakfast every day. They go over the video of the day before. They refine their relationship. They memorized their, their every play. Matthew Stafford says they spent 500 extra hours together. That's above all the things the coaches wanted them to do. And Cooper Cup went from stuck eight years ago to making the game-winning catch in the Super Bowl, winning the MVP for the Super Bowl and the most valuable offensive player of the year. Not bad for a guy who was, quote, a good backup. He had a great, great NFL year. I only wish something. I wish he would come and play for the Packers. Wouldn't that be great? Come and play for us. Something else about Cooper Cup. He revealed that he is a follower of Jesus. And so he's not playing football to prove himself. He already knows he's a child of God and he has a crown in heaven. And his relationship with God has helped him uh, go to the next level as a, as a football player. Because one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to talk about this a little bit more uh, later on. One of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is self-control. And that helped him train and become a great receiver. Well, training is not just important in football and athletics and, and running a marathon. It's important in every area of life. If you want to learn to play the guitar or you want to learn a language, if you want to run a successful business, if you want to get healthy uh, physically, it takes more than just trying. You have to start training. And when it comes to our spiritual lives, here's what I think is the main reason why we get stuck in our faith. We try out faith instead of training in faith. Big difference between trying and training. Trying can only take you so far and you get stuck. Trying can never match the power of training. Uh, trying is like eating a piece of broccoli and expecting to lose 10 pounds. Trying is like doing one nice thing for your spouse and expecting it to fix all your marriage uh, troubles. Trying is like going to the gym one time, expecting to get in shape. You know, I, I relate to this uh, t-shirt uh, here. My head says gym, but my heart says tacos. And I'm going tacos. I go tacos. Trying says, I'll give it a shot. Training says, I'll work at it every day. And when it comes to our spiritual lives, we get stuck because we try out faith 
instead of training in, in, in faith and to live the full life, the abundant life that God wants for us. We need to start training like an athlete. Today, I want us to look at a scripture where Paul, Apostle Paul, challenges a young follower of Jesus named uh, Timothy and really all of us to start training in our faith like an athlete. Check out what he says. Train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. I think all of us would agree that, you know, physical training has some uh, value. You know, walking, biking, running leads to better physical health. But Paul says training for godliness is much better. So what is godliness? What does it mean to become godly? Well, here's how many people define godliness. You, you, you try to be perfect like God. But we're never going to be perfect. And some people choose not to follow Jesus. And they say, well, because I'll never be perfect. But I don't think that's what Paul is asking us to do here. Here's a better definition for godliness. You become more like Jesus. Now, you know, to clarify, I mean, we'll never be Jesus, right? I mean, Jesus is God in the flesh. He never sinned. But by following him and by having the Holy Spirit work in our lives, I mean, we can actually train and become more like Jesus. So what does it look like to become more like Jesus? Well, the Bible has a list of characteristics of Jesus that are called the fruit of the Spirit. Here they are. Paul says the fruit of the Spirit. This is what it looks like to become more like Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So if you give your life to Jesus or if you've already given your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit works within you and supernaturally empowers you so that you have the ability to train and grow and develop these fruits. So take a moment and do some honest reflection and ask yourself, how am I doing in these, uh, in these uh, areas here? Like, for example, how's your self-control uh, these days? Are you experiencing joy in difficult uh, circumstances? How about your peace, your uh, gentleness, uh, your patience? A couple weeks ago, I went to a store to pick up an order. I got a notification that it was uh, ready for uh, pickup. And I, I was in a hurry. I had my day planned out. I thought this was going to be a quick stop. I got to the counter and they couldn't find my order. I checked my watch and I waited at the counter for 37 minutes until they found my uh, order. Now, some people think that pastors get up every morning and sprinkle on pixie dust and, you know, they smile and, you know, they just bless, you know, everybody uh, all day long. Uh, Not me. I got ticked off and I hope none of you saw me (laughs) in the uh, store. I got a long ways to go. I mean, I got a lot of training I need to do to become more like Jesus. But I just strongly believe that these are the qualities God wants me to develop in my life. I believe this will make me a better husband. That what my wife needs most is not for me to take out the, the trash more frequently. I mean, she would appreciate that, I'm sure. But what she needs the most is for someone who is filled with love, but a lover like Jesus loves us. And what my kids and my granddaughter needs most are not better parenting techniques. What they really need the most is a father and and a grandfather who's patient 
and, and gentle. And my coworkers, you know, they don't really need more ideas and opinions. What they need most is someone who is kind and self-controlled. That's why Paul says training uh, for, for godliness is much better than, than physical training, promising benefits in this life and in the next life. Now, I want to clarify something. When Paul says train uh, for godliness, you know, he's not talking about training, you know, to become right with God or to have salvation. We talked about this last week. Uh, for, salvation is a free gift, okay? I mean, you don't earn forgiveness uh, from God. You don't train, uh, you know, to try to get uh, forgiveness from God. It is a free gift. But once you become a follower of Jesus, you get baptized, and then you start training and becoming more like Jesus. So how do we train to be godly? Paul gives us three ways in this uh, chapter. The first way is that you prioritize what you pay attention to. Here's what Paul says to Timothy. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Paul tells Timothy to ignore the false teaching that has spread through the church in Ephesus. And I can't think of a more relevant scripture for us uh, today. I think if Paul wrote this verse uh, today, instead of, you know, godless ideas and old wives' tales, I think he might bring up this tiny little device uh, right here. Now, this is my iPhone. Did you know that the average American uh, looks at their phone every uh, four minutes? And uh, I'm, I'm probably right there with uh, others. Yeah. Uh, many people take it to bed, you know, with them. And, uh, you know, they got it on the nightstand next to their bed or, you know, in your hand, you know, Pride pride open, you know, with the jaws of life. Sometimes I get in trouble um, this time of the year. My wife will catch me at the dinner table, you know, we'll be eating dinner. And, uh, you know, I've got the MLB app on my phone under the table here, checking the Milwaukee Brewers uh, uh, score. There's, There's just so much information coming into our lives every day through this tiny little device. And not all of it is helpful or true. John Eldridge is a pastoral counselor and author. He says, what is the constant barrage of the trivial, urgent, traumatic, or buffoonish do to us when it comes in an unending stream? Yet nevertheless, we pay attention on demand. There was a study done recently that showed that we are exposed to as much information in one day as our ancestors a few generations ago were exposed to in a lifetime. I mean, there's just a lot of information vying for our attention, and it can be overwhelming because everything that you read on the uh, internet is not something that you're supposed to carry with you emotionally. Um, You know, my soul, your soul, God did not create our souls to carry everything around that, that, that my phone wants me to carry. I think one of the greatest challenges we face is, is how do we ignore uh, the trivial and deal with the tragic and just the gluttony of information? Uh, John Eldridge recommends a practice that he calls benevolent detachment. As you're, as you're, as you're reading uh, something or maybe you see something on social media and it just feels like too much, You make it a practice to tell Jesus, Jesus, I can't carry this. And I'm not going to carry this. And the reason is because you can carry it 
And Jesus, I'm handing this over to you. Jesus, I can't carry it, but you can. I'm giving it over uh, to you. I'm turning it over uh, to you. I want to encourage you uh, to try doing that this week because what it will do is it will make more space in your heart for God. I know it, it, it helps me. I'll tell you, I have a tendency to get consumed with a trivial and tragic news and get caught up in the drama. Early in the pandemic, I mean, I was just reading every article that I could find. And I found myself feeling overwhelmed and paralyzed. But when I started this practice of benevolent detachment, I felt freed. I could breathe again. doesn't mean that I ignored it or became... Uh, cold-hearted. It just means I'm handing it over to Jesus and I'm prioritizing what I pay attention to. Because if, if, if we carry everything that, that, our, that our phones want us to carry uh, with us, uh, we'll be overwhelmed and we'll never be able to prioritize the kind of spiritual training that leads to godliness. Second key to training for godliness is this. Make a training plan and stick with it. Look at what Paul says here. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. Paul says like an athlete, we need a training plan. And, uh, and, and, and we need to stick to it. I'll tell you, some of the best advice that Marnie and I received about marriage was just the simple advice to uh, a simple plan to, to build into our, our marriage, to help us connect with each other once a day, once a week, and uh, once a year. Now, I know it, it can be challenging, especially if you've got really little kids, you know, in your house. But it is really important uh, once a day for at least 15 minutes that you connect together in uninterrupted uh, conversation. And then uh, once a week, a date night, go out to dinner, go for a walk. And then uh, once a year, we try to get away together. And every time we get away together and spend time together, I mean, I'm reminded, we're reminded why we love each other and why we got married to each other. Now, I'm not saying that every time, you know, we spend time, you know, together, I'm hearing, you know, bells and whistles and, and you know, hearing violins uh, playing. I think she does. I think she hears those uh, things. I don't. But uh, every time we spend some time uh, together, I mean, I remember why I love her so much. Too many couples, married couples, I mean, they don't have a plan for connecting. And here's what, here's what happens so often is uh, they get caught up in their, their work, in their jobs. They get consumed with their careers. They get focused on the kids and the kids' activities. And uh, one day they wake up and they look at each other and they go, how did we get here? I'm not even sure that we love each other. Any, anymore. That's why you need a plan for connecting uh, with each other once a day, once a week, uh, once a, a year. And we need a training plan in our relationship with God. What do your times with God look like? Do you have times with God, you know, built into your life, built into your schedule, it, 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 you know, 15 minutes or more a day where you spend time reading Scripture, reading God's word, praying. Maybe you listen to some worship music and you connect with your creator. And gathering for church uh, once a week where you just set aside distractions 
and it's you and God. And then, you know, once a year, maybe you go on a retreat or a, a mission trip or some extended time. What are your built-in times with God? look like. Hebrews chapter 10 says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, many of you have gathered here uh, this morning because you've made this a habit. And many of you have also made it a habit to gather with a smaller group of people where you encourage each other and talk about your faith. By the way, we're, uh, this week we're launching new message-based groups at both campuses, uh, three nights this week, where if you're interested, you can, you can experience a smaller group where, we're, where, where uh, the group will discuss these questions that we're talking about in the weekend services, discuss them uh, more in depth. We've already got a bunch of people signed up, and you can just uh, you can sign up today, or you can just show up at the fireplace in the lobby at both locations. Notice how the Hebrew writer says this. He says, make it a habit. And he says, look at this. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Question for you. What is the day? What's he talking about? The day. I'll tell you the day is the day that Jesus returns for the, for the second uh, time. So why would it be more important for us to make it a habit to gather the closer we get to the return of, of, of Jesus. Well, could it be that as we get closer to the return of, of Jesus, that the, 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 the current flowing in our culture will try to take us further away from Jesus? And, and if that were to happen, it would, be real, it would be even more important for us to make it a habit uh, to, to, to gather together with other people who will encourage us uh, to follow Jesus and to train uh, in godliness. And this is also why it's even more important uh, to read Scripture. If you don't read or, or pay attention to, to Scripture, most likely you're just kind of floating down the river of culture. And, you know, you're going, well, what do the people on TV say I should believe? Uh, what, are my, what are my friends on, on social media say? And, and we're not stepping back. And asking, you know, what, is, what, is, what, is, what does God say I should believe about this issue? I mean, more than ever, we need a spiritual training plan. And there will be days that you don't feel like sticking with it. And uh, it will take some uh, discipline. That's why uh, Paul says uh, we labor and strive. Uh, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Notice this word progress. You know, sometimes uh, people give up. Because they don't see enough progress, you know. Maybe, maybe, maybe you, uh, maybe you make a one percent progress. You're 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 one percent more like Jesus, and that seems slow. Man, listen, you're making progress. One percent adds up. You stick with it, and if you fall, you get back up and continue your training plan. One more way to train: you need to use the gift or gifts. That God has, has given you. In this same chapter, Paul says to Timothy, do not neglect the spiritual gift you receive. This is part of your training. And it applies uh, to all of us. Because everybody who follows Jesus receives at least one spiritual gift through the Holy Spirit to use to serve other people and build the church. And this is really important because training for godliness needs to be 
holistic. It's not just our head. It's not just gaining knowledge, not, not just gaining Bible knowledge. What we learn in our head needs to go to our heart. And then it needs to go to our hands where we serve other people. Here's a definition of a spiritual gift. It's a supernatural ability or talent that God gives to every believer to serve others and build the church. I want to show you a list. This isn't a complete list of some of the spiritual gifts listed in the Bible. And I'm just going to highlight a few of them. Maybe you have the gift of teaching. You know, and when you teach, I mean, people, people like to listen to you. People lean in. Maybe you've got the gift of uh, hospitality over here. You create environments. I mean, people love to be in. Maybe you've got the gift of mercy and you're empathetic. You really care about people. That's just a sample of the spiritual gifts listed in Scripture. What is your gift? What gift do you have? Every follower of Jesus has at least one spiritual gift. You need to discover your gift. You know, maybe you ask people that are closest to you, what spiritual gift do you think God has given me? It'd be a great discussion to have in your uh, small group. You can go to our, our website. Just go to the main page and click on spiritual gifts assessment. It's a, it's a, it, it's a great tool. You can fill it out. And it'll help you find your gift. And it'll give you descriptions of the different types of uh, spiritual uh, gifts. Coming up on, on Sunday, uh, May 22nd, we've got this event called Backstage Past. A pastor in the 1030 service at, at both campuses. We give you a tour to see many of the serving opportunities around our church. Might help you find a way to use your gift. You need to identify and then use uh, your gift to serve others because it's part of training for godliness. I mean, you might, you might say, but, well, I, I got the gift of helps. You know, I've got the gift of serving. I mean, so what? Big deal. Doesn't seem, you know, that important or impactful. And look at this verse. Look at what Paul says about these gifts that maybe seem less important to us. Paul says, all of you, everybody, together are Christ's body, the church. And each one of you is a separate and necessary uh, part of it. I mean, whatever gift God's given you, it's a big deal to him. You're an important part of the work God's doing in the church and through the church. Uh, back in 2014, uh, Sean and uh, Ricky McAvoy went into a Goodwill store in uh, Asheville, North Carolina. And they saw this sweater, caught their attention, this, uh, this sweater. It's got West Point embroidered uh, across the front. Uh, Sean and Ricky uh, own a uh, vintage clothing store. And they thought to themselves, you know, let's, let's, let's buy this and uh, clean it up. And maybe we can sell it for a profit. But a few nights later, they watched this documentary on Netflix about famous Green Bay Packer coach Vince Lombardi, who actually attended uh, West Point from 1949 to 1953. And they're watching this uh, uh, documentary. And, uh, you know, they're like, hey, uh, that sweater looks exactly uh, like the sweater we just bought at the uh, Goodwill store. And so they went upstairs. They started digging around behind the tags. And look what they found uh, under the tag. It says uh, Lombardi on it. And uh, it was actually, it turns out this was Vince Lombardi's warm-up sweater when he went to West Point. And uh, so they sold, uh, Ricky and, and uh, Sean actually sold, sold the sweater at an auction for $43,000. Yeah. 
You know, Goodwill stores. Goodwill stores have lots of items, clothing, toys, that people don't see value or potential in. And they just kind of discard them and, and give them uh, to uh, Goodwill. And, and you know what? Maybe you feel that way. Maybe you feel like you've been uh, discarded. Uh, maybe, you, maybe that's how you feel today. Maybe you feel like you're not uh, good enough. Uh, maybe you feel discarded by your employer. You know, maybe you worked there a long time. Maybe you worked there 20 years. And uh, one day they just came to you and said, you know what? We're going in a different direction. And you felt discarded. Or maybe you felt discarded by a boyfriend or girlfriend or spouse who just came to you one day and said, I don't want to be in this relationship anymore. And you just felt pushed, pushed out and disregarded. Uh, maybe you had a friend, you know, a really close friend. You had a tight friend. And they started uh, hanging out with another group. And you'd see them together, hanging out together. And you weren't invited. And you felt uh, discarded and not good enough. But, but, but I want you to know something today. God will never, God will never do that to you. You might feel um, discarded, you know, by your your teacher or coach, or you might feel like your coach or teacher or employer doesn't see value or potential in you. You might start believing that you don't have value or potential. But I'm telling you, God sees incredible value and potential in you. And he wants to pick you off that discard pile. And he wants to give you a new life and a new identity. He wants to put his spirit in you and fill you with a gift that you can use to serve an important mission in his work in this world. And he wants to just produce some beautiful fruit in your life. I mean, God has a big dream, a great dream for your life. So don't just try out faith. Don't just give it a shot. Start training. Start training in faith every day to become more like Jesus. And God promises amazing benefits in this life and in the next life. Let me pray for us. God, thank you uh, for this teaching uh, from Paul that, that challenges us not just to try out faith, but, but to train in faith, to train in godliness. God, we want to become more like Jesus and produce these beautiful fruit. Help us, God, to prioritize what we pay attention to and make a training plan and stick to it. Help us to find our gift and, and then use it to serve others and, and build your church. God, thank you that, that we don't train to make you love us or forgive us. You already love us. You already Give us forgiveness as a gift. We, we train out of gratitude and love and a commitment to serve others and serve you and build your church. Help us make more and, and better followers of Jesus through your spirit. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.